Welcome to Mind Over Miles, a show about the mental lessons learned and practiced on the run. In season one, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the book I'm writing about the mental side of running and motherhood. I'm sharing the interviews I've done for the book with professional, elite, and regular runners who are also mothers. Thank you to all my interviewees, and thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Before we start today, I want to tell you about the Runner's Mastermind. I'll be leading groups this spring of up to 12 people who want to expand their mental skills in running and life. You know your physical training can only take you so far, and growing mentally is hard. But it doesn't have to be so serious. It can actually be fun. Find out more in the show notes or at mindovermilespod.com. Elisa Harvey has been running competitively for over 40 years. 40 years. She loves running so much that she just doesn't stop. Elisa's accolades in the running world are as unique as they are impressive. To name a few, she was the 24th American woman to break 430 in the mile. She holds multiple world, yes, world records in various master's age divisions for the 800 and the mile. She's been inducted into the National Black Distance Running Hall of Fame. And this may be her coolest stat. She is, I believe, the only woman and possibly the only runner ever to run at the U.S. Olympic trials in distances ranging from the 800 meters to the marathon. So think about that. She's been one of the top, let's say, 50 runners in the country in events ranging from a half mile to 26.2 miles. On top of that, at her last Olympic trials, she was 42 and ran the 800. So, yeah, she's a boss. She's 56 now, and she talked to me about her career and experience as a mother. And one of the things that most stood out to me is the incredibly logical way she looks at running. Like it's all just this big experiment, which it really is. Here's our conversation. I wanted to actually first ask about, I think I saw that you're writing an autobiography. Is that right? Yes. You know, I'm still in the works of it. It's been like a three-year process. <laughs> but um, myself and a good friend, uh, well, actually, I coached her daughter in high school track. And so she got to know me. We used to be competitors. We're the same age. So she called me up and our daughter was having problems. I started working with her daughter and I got her daughter into Virginia. She's all the way out of high school into tech now and she's out of tech now. But she did well. And so she thought about, hey, I should put a book together with Elisa because she's had such a great career and maybe link it with how it helped her daughter stay in the sport. So that was our idea three years ago. And life has kind of gotten in the way, but we're still doing it. We're communicating. She's now a grandmother. And all kinds of things have happened in our lives, but we're still working on it. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. I was curious yeah. to ask if you, um, do you feel like in the process you've gone through so far and the reflecting you've done, have any kind of lessons come out or things that have stood out by reflecting on that time? Oh, gosh. Well, one thing I think for me is it, it's allowed me to appreciate my career. You know, I'm, you, it's hard when you're, in life, in your own kind of life, to look at how it might affect others, and for instance, her daughter, how it affects other people and myself, my family, until you stop and really look at it, put it all together in pieces of paper and, and go back. So I think it's been a good experience with that, and, and everyday things change. I had a young girl yesterday, or her mother emailed me yesterday from VCU. I worked with her again seven years ago in, in high school. And she just won her conference or something, championships out in California. So she sent me a link and I lost track of her. So, so yeah, this has kind of gave, given me a way of realizing that running is not just your exercise, but it's also a lifestyle, a life motivator, and maybe you can help people out in ways. It's, it's more than just your physical exercise. Well, so starting with, um, like, looking back at, you know, since the time you became a mother, I'm curious if you can think about ways that you think becoming a mother made you a better or a stronger runner. Okay, so then we're looking more like on the mental aspect of it, not just the physical part, you're saying. Yeah. Um, so gosh, yes, because as, are you a mother also? I, I recently became a mother. I have a seven-month-old. Okay, so yes. <laughs> so yes. Motherhood is full of challenges, and I think for me, what what made me become better as a runner, a better runner after being a mother, is just that 
you put things in perspective that things aren't that important anymore to where before I was a mother, it was just earth shaking. Um, so really, gosh, I'm trying to think of like some examples. Even every day, a workout that doesn't go as well, it's not that big of a deal anymore because it's still, I'm getting the other benefits of it. Whereas before as a younger competitive athlete, I had to, to hit those splits. I had to race very well at a certain competition. But when I became a mother, um, I, I saw more, again, more to it. I was happy to, um, to even enjoy the friendship and the camaraderie. I met other people, other mothers. Other, I see kids in a different way. So I think it made me appreciate, once I became a mother, the, um, the, the intricacies or the, well, I guess, the fluff of running, you know, the, the other parts of it, not just the competitor. I was just a competitor. So now I enjoy the whole um, experience of being a runner. So everything from the clothing to um, where I love running on the trails. I enjoy the greenery and the scenery. Um, and again, the, the friendships you meet and having fun. I'll go like uh, when I go places uh, for your family vacations and such. Um, I remember going to the beach and doing a 5K and then my son did a 5K too. And so it's more of a... Um, an event and enjoying activity, not just so I became less competitive and more, more social. Maybe that's one thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you think of a either a race or a workout that was hard and didn't go the way you wanted? Um, that maybe before motherhood you would have like really been torn up about, but then since become a mother, you you weren't as distraught. Hmm. Well, one in particular years ago was when I was actually racing at the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby Mile. And it was literally a race down Louisville, the streets, right? At the same time as Kentucky Derby, early in the spring, March or April. And because I, I came to the race with my then brand new baby, <laughs> maybe a year old, my daughter, um, Virginia. And so they had to assign someone to watch her while I ran. I can't remember why on earth I came to this race with my baby girl, but I, I had to. I had to be there, and I was one of the, the, the top um, top runners that they had helped support, pay to get there. And so they set up a little, a little nursery type situation for me to drop her off before the race. So, you know, so there she was. And the race, I didn't win it, okay? But um, having her there being cared for and me being there as a mom, it, it kind of, when I didn't win, I was like, darn it. This is like the competitor was me. It was like, shoot. But I pieced it together. What was more in perspective? What went wrong? And then I went and got her and everybody just loved her and all that. So I think in a way, again, that whole motherhood realm put myself into more of the ease of understanding that you don't win every race and just figure out what's going on. Just like I have to do with a child, um, figure out why and what and why they're upset. I remember also thinking that when I was there, she she wasn't crazy about being left, but when I got back, she was fine. She had a great time with the people that were watching her. So, you know, it became um, like, thank goodness, they were they were wonderful to take care of her. And then the race, sure, I didn't win. I think I was second. But I was it was a happy, it was a great weekend. I still had a, a very nice time and went back the next year. Yeah, okay, awesome. So you've gone back. <laughs> well, I've heard you say... Um in other interviews about how when a race doesn't go your way, you feel, um, I forget the exact words you use, but you know, that you're very logical and you think about, okay, what logically went wrong. And then that helps you kind of move on. And I was curious to hear more about that. Um, yeah, I think people have a varied reactions to bad races, some more emotional and yours seemed very kind of logic based. Um, and I was curious to hear more about that processing that you do. Yeah, I think that comes from, running so darn long. I, I have been fortunate that I've been competitive for so many years that you, I have no other um, excuse but, but figure out what went wrong because I've done it before. I, if something goes wrong, I most likely have had that mistake happen before. So again, I mean, I've got a career that started in the 80s, <laughs> 1980s, um, at a pretty high level. By, by the end of the 80s, I was running at probably one of the top, I was one of the top mile runners in, in high school, which put me in the top um, qualifying for Olympic trials almost at in the 1500 meters. So I was a top runner in the middle early 80s, all the way until gosh, running very well in, in the 2000 mids, 2000 elite level at 2004, eight, eight. So 
I've made all of the mistakes. So my logic is truly just from my own journaling of what has gone wrong. So that's why I try to be methodical and I assess the weather and um, the competition and the course. I got to evaluate the course. If it's a track, I got to make, you know, make sure I know who's in the race, you know, when to go. So I've always been kind of my own coach. For many years, I did. I was my own coach off and on. Not always. Yeah, uh, and that's how I kept it going. Yeah. What do you feel like are some of the um, more common things that come up as a reason why the race didn't play out the way you wanted it to? Oh, it's the unknown. Let's see. Um, quite often it's things you just have no control over, like it's a catching a little cold. Um, I often travel from point A to point B. And I remember the funny thing with, not funny, but, the one thing about you know, the pandemic has taught me is that I remember back in the 90s and, and such when I was traveling on my airplane, 80s and 90s, and I would always want to like put a mask on my face so I wouldn't catch these colds because I was catching colds constantly. And um, at one point, I actually tried it in one flight from maybe California to New York. I was doing the Milrose games. So I put like a little thing around my face. Everybody looked at me like I was crazy and I took it off. Because <laughs> I wanted to wear a mask because I was catching colds from being in airlines and airports continuously. And I had allergies and sinus conditions. So I was always on like antibiotics or something. Um, so, so yes, um, you, I learned that, um, wait, what was your question originally that you were saying? What, what are some the- of the, the common things that come up that will affect your race negatively? Okay, yeah, so. So that was my biggest thing was I was always catching colds. I, there have been many national championships where I had this going on, that going on, on antibiotics. I still managed to do well, but I always had something. Other than that, oh gosh, coming up, um, heat, if it's too hot, that has affected the weather. The weather in an outdoor race is going to, um, for sure, cause a big problem with me. And I've got to make sure that I, because I've had heat illness in my early career. Um, I had a heat stroke at a track meet years ago as a young high school athlete. So I had to learn through college, through my young elite days, is to stay in the shade longer or, or ice down or wear, take off the clothing more. I had, I had to dress, warm up without the extra stuff on um, and hydrate properly because I was prone to heat stroke, heat illness. So heat, and that's something you can't change. If it's going to be uh, you know, 80 degrees at track meet, that's what it's going to be. That'll affect how I perform. I learned also in distance running is how to, it was windy, tuck behind runners. You know, if it's going to be windy, don't, don't go then or wait. Um, if you're in a road race going up down the street, find some big guys ahead of you and tuck behind him or something. So you learn the strategies uh, of how to, to do your best. And that something can always happen when you're running in a race because you never can control weather and health. And then kind of on the flip side of my original question, how do you feel like running changes who you are as a mother or do you sometimes find yourself kind of using your mental skills of a runner in parenting patience yes so and and more I'm, i'm more patient i learned that just by being a mom that you know how kids can get unruly or or they can become impatient themselves so i learned to take that patience you have to have being a mother onto um, again, my training and my training plans, travel, something simple as, you know, the airport not going your way or the traffic not going your way. So I try to focus. I have to admit, though, I'm not very patient sometimes, but I've gotten much better by being a mother. Because <laughs> I was a youngster before kids. It's truly impatient. But so that has gotten better through the years. And now, see, my kids are grown now. They're 19 and 27, 26, sorry, 26. So... Um, I don't have to deal with much of that anymore. Those are the days when they're uh, every day I was waking up and having to either put them in a baby jogger or find a place to babysit them, that kind of thing. But yeah, I've become, I think patience is what I've learned from being a mother mostly. And that's helped me with my running because I was so impatient early on. Yeah. Can you, I'm curious if you could think of any um, times with, uh, especially I'm curious to hear about when your kids, were you know a little bit older because um, so far I've most of the people I've talked to have been parents of young children and I've been very excited to talk to people who have 
older children because I think you have a lot more perspective. Um, I'm curious if you have an anecdote of, you know, your patients being tested when your kids were maybe in their kind of teenage years or, um, you know, not in those really early baby toddler phases. Gosh, yeah, let's see. Um, Okay, hold on. Uh, oh, I have a wonderful picture, actually, um, where I had to take um, the Washington Post was doing an article on me getting ready to do the pen relays when I was like 38. And my 11 year old, 36 maybe, my daughter 11, was 11 and she had to go with me because she's too young to stay behind. So I took her to the track at Mason where they did some photos and did some interviews. And you, there's a picture of her in the background with her arms crossed, like, hurry up, mom. You know, so, she did not want to be there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so there's those little kind of things that happen. Uh, I end up, whatever. as they got older, they, well, either I didn't involve them in it, like I took her to a track meet once, my daughter, because my, my son ran cross country and a little bit, but she did the whole track thing. She did everything. So she ran track and went to Drake, and then she went to University of Nebraska, and um, now she's uh, working at Georgetown, but she's not running anymore. But she went through the whole college, high school chain, high school, college chain. So um, early on, we were getting her ready for track and field. I would go to track meets with her. So there was a time when she would say eight, nine, we did a little track meet and she would do the kids races. I'd do the mother races or, or the older races and we'd go home and have a good time. So there was a point where she joined. Um, oh, I remember once we did a 5K years ago. My husband and my youngest guy was still in my baby jogger. So I did the baby jogger with him and she ran the 5K with my husband. And then she took off and like left him. And we were like, oh, no, where is she? And she had, like, finished. And she was done. Like, where are you guys at? You ran pretty decently, too. So, <laughs> so those are those kind of things. We, as they got older, we enjoyed put them in there. Um, and so that it became – that's why probably why she became a runner, too, because she kept seeing mom do it. Yeah. So it made it easy. You just – because they become – one thing about that, she says – I showed her that picture about the post the other day. She goes, oh, that's the story of my life. So – when they are the kids are involved with an active mom, they are part of it, and often they'll become uh, in it. like my son who does not run. He's doing pole vaulting, so he's still in track and field. He's not a distance runner like mom is, but he loves a pole vault. He did tennis for a while, and he did a little bit of cross country. So yeah, I think it's more apt that the women that run, women, women runner mothers are going to have kids that either involve somehow in it by them doing the same thing or maybe coaching or another sport. Yeah. What, uh, when your kids started getting into the time where they were starting to get more competitive in their sport, what did you try to teach them about? Like what attitude to take about competition? Well, see, that was, that became harder as they got older because then you become like coach mom <laughs> mm-hmm. and you try not to be coach mom because they have coaches. <laughs> yeah. So it always, that, that didn't go so well always. I remember with my daughter, she, again, she had a good runner. She was a 400 meter hurdler in high school. And then I became, heaven forbid, the track coach for the high school, which is like the worst thing in the world for a <laughs> 15, 16 year old. <laughs> but we ran very well. And so still, it was just mom, not the coach, okay? Just like the other coach's mom, and she didn't like that. So, we got to the state beat, and we, she was on my four by four, legitimately earned. You know, you think about moms being the coaches and all that, but uh, and putting their kids on there. But no, she legitimately earned her spot in the four by four. But I could not um, help. I couldn't coach her as well as the other. She wouldn't listen to me because I was mom. So she warmed up too much. She was listening to her father tell her to do this. By the end of the meet, the four by four, she ran great. But it was tough. I gotta say, it's tough. Um, trying to coach, be that mom coach, and, and have your kids, you know, follow on with you and on the same team. With my son, he did, you know, I would help, I would kind of go and tell him maybe when to hydrate, stay out of the sun, because his coach was like doing something off in left field when the kids are out there in the hot sun, so I couldn't help but have to give him some information as to how to stay out of the sun and run better. He didn't want to hear it anyway, because it was coming from me. But he did. I'd give him a little bottle of more fluid or something because you can't help yourself again. So 
Again, I think in the end, it's one of those things about parenting. They'll appreciate it in 10 years from now, but right at the moment, they don't appreciate it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you would say to them, Can, you know, if they had a, a bad race or competition, what kind of things you would say? Oh, my gosh. I will. I would I kind of would say what I would want the coach to say to me. I would look at how to go. How do you feel? You know, and, and I'd always give them some goods as to what they did well because they always did something well. And, and it was a great race. Good job. And that's all you had to say, usually because everyone else gave them the accolades or compliments. But if it didn't go as well, then I just made sure that we pieced together and I can tell them exactly what I think happened here. Again, having the knowledge, um, they knew that I knew what I was talking about and always made them feel better, I believe, because um, they got a serious head to head with coach Harvey, <laughs> mom. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, um, then I, going off of more like mental strategies that you use in, in both running and motherhood, um, I read um, something about you and your when you were in college uh, before the NCAA's having a disagreement with your coach that they wanted you to do a workout and you felt like you really thrived on more of a, a taper um, and then you ended up getting second in both the eight and the fifteen. So it worked out really well that you didn't do that extra workout um, and I thought that was a really powerful example of knowing how to trust your training, trust what works for you. And I was especially impressed, like, I don't know, in college to be able to have that intuition and knowledge about yourself um, seemed like a really powerful thing. And so, um, yeah, first I wanted to just hear more about that anecdote and um, like how you came to know that about yourself and, and how it felt like, did it feel hard to advocate for yourself in that moment or did that come really naturally to you? Yeah, see, that was, I do remember that. It's one of my, my career, high school, my college moments that I do remember because uh, it, it was tear shed at the end of that big discussion. Um, so, well, yeah, so that was when I was going for my NCAA, my final, yes, my final NCAAs in um, Indianapolis. No, no, that was um, Baton Rouge. So 800 meters and the 1500 meters I had to run that week. And that was Monday. We flew out the next day. And, um, and I had been through, you know, it was, it was summertime now. It's now it was May, June. So we're in the heat of the, of the warmer months. And, and you know Baton Rouge is going to be hot. So I've been through a heat stroke at 16. So I now I'm a, you know, 21-year-old college senior. So I, I knew what it felt like to be devastated by heat illness. I experienced it physically. And, I, and even in my young 21 years, I knew what it felt like to be given IV and on a stretcher. So I just told the coach, I think that, you know, this eight by 400 meter workout you want me to do this Monday, and I'm racing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah, is not a good idea because I'm going to be tired. So I think a little, something a little lighter is what I was saying to him. And he was dead set on the eight by 400 meters on the Monday before this big meet. And I just said, no, I simply, and it wasn't so much that I was a strong, well, I was strong a little bit. It was just that I just knew that if I had done that, my body was going to be um, exhausted. And I really wanted to finish up and run well at this, this big meet because I was one of the top in the nation. So darn it, I wanted to be fresh. And I, and I experienced and realized then, too, that fresh legs or the ability to recover, I had experienced how well it had gone for me in other races. So I'd always been taking my little notes, too, as an athlete. I've always tried to be a smart smart runner, although, you know, I always respected coaches. I also learned that you've got to, you know, rely on yourself to a large extent, too. They People can make mistakes, they're human. So, yeah, that day, um, I just told Coach Schwartz, no, I am not going to do that workout. And I, I stormed, he was angry, I stormed off way, and I started crying, and off we went. And the next day, we boarded the bus and took to the airport, and we flew out. So yes, and I had a and I had a nice track meet. I I ran the again Wednesday was the rounds first round the 800 meters. I made it to the finals and the next day I did the 1500 meters. The finals were the next two days. So I had four races, boom, 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 back to back, no rest days in between. And I wow, ran my four races in four days. Yes, four races in four days. So I yeah, of course you need your rest. And in fact, I took that into my 
remaining career. I've done that since then. So I always give myself complete days of rest when you're getting ready to have a extreme um, strong competition. It just makes no sense to keep trashing and, or burning or training through. Even like the little light runs, I didn't see any need in those. What's a five-minute shakeout? Why do I need that? You know, <laughs> why should I subject myself to more dehydration, maybe some heat stress, when I can just lay low and then be ready to go for four days of hard competition? So I did learn that. And, you know, it's funny because that kind of did transcend into my pregnancies. Um, like a lot of run, a lot of mothers like to, to run hard, or I observed ran hard through their pregnancies. But I'm the same way. I'm like, wait a minute, my, my heart's beating harder than it ever does. I'm sitting here with this belly. And if I walk across the stairs and I go, or, or go up the stairs or I go do some laundry, I'm getting a big, I'm getting out of breath. Why should I go out and do a little walk job? I'm, I'm going to stay right here. So most of my, or both of my pregnancies were mostly sedentary and that I didn't run. Um, I did a little bit in my first pregnancy when I was 28, uh, the little videos, uh, pregnancy videos. I did that, and mm -hmm. that would work out, um, and I never ran. I was never a runner who could run in a pregnancy. Couldn't do it, yeah. and I think I pay attention to that. Um, my, my, my heart rate, my hunger levels, and I wanted to stay more rested, but I still got the workout of being pregnant. I still, and I gained a lot of weight, but I lost it quickly. Yeah, I think that'll be really, you know, important for people to hear, especially you as such an accomplished runner, like, you know, even you follow your intuition and during your pregnancy for you, it just turned out that running wasn't the thing for you to be doing. Right, couldn't do it. Um, and ironically, that same type of thing happened after I had both children when I went to go breastfeed. Um, I was breastfeeding okay while I was recovering the first eight weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and, and you know, post postpartum but as soon as I like around eight weeks went out to go do a run my first run back I was like I my I dried up my um I had did not have enough milk for my daughter she couldn't even so we had to go out and get her some formula she was not getting enough so it seemed like my body was said okay either you're going to be a mother or you're going to or you're going to run and whereas other I've had teammates when I did a club cross country championships two years ago the one of the top runners and uh, we were at the meet there in kentucky she was breastfeeding and then she went out the next day and she ran great um but that wasn't elisa i just couldn't do it so everyone's different you have to listen to your body and just because you maintain a sedentary quote i mean i still worked i still did stuff i went bedridden um a non-running pregnancy it doesn't mean you can't Finish that pregnancy and three months be back at the elite level because I was three months later I was back at the elite level. So yeah, and both times, yes, right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so with you know this idea of following your intuition, knowing, trusting yourself, do you have any times you can think of in parenting where you had to do that with, you know, I'm thinking of different decisions parents have to make about their kids schooling or activities they do or you know advice you give your kids on something they're going through and where you had to trust your own intuition and maybe you had someone else in your life saying you should do the opposite kind of thing. Oh yeah. Let's see. Gosh. Well, again, it always leads back to athletics for me because that's my, that's what I know. So for me, um, in one case in particular, we had a, 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 a not so good coach. My daughter had a not so good coach. I can kind of tell this character was not a, a, a respectful person. And he was coaching my daughter in her freshman year. Um, I went out to go get a cross country. I went to go pick her up her freshman year after a cross country practice. And her and two other freshmen, she was a freshman, were not back yet. And it was like 5.30. I said, so where's my daughter? Oh, they went out there. They, they didn't, they're, they're coming back. So the sun was getting ready to go down. And they still weren't home or back yet. And finally went out looking for them. They finally came out of the woods. They were, you know, stressed, upset. Like, what happened? And then it would happen was a coach had gone out, taken them out and gotten lost. And they were out there lost in the woods and finally made their way back in. So I said, okay, something's not right here. And so sure enough, um, I had the energy and I guess I had the forethought and the suspicion being in a life of sports and knowing what a good person is, a good coach is, that wasn't right. 
So yeah, we had to, I had to do a lot of investigating myself, me and other parents, and you know, mostly led by Big Mouth Lisa. But we went to the principal and we figured out something, we found out some things, and that was, he no longer coached our, that, those girls anymore, that team anymore. It was not a good situation. So yes, I think with running, it's made me a stronger person. I've also seen lots of people. I've experienced dozens of coaches, not just my own, but others' coaches. I've heard other stories. And when I snip out something that doesn't seem right by whatever character they might be in my 56 years of life now, um, I will make sure I make a point of letting someone know. So, so yes, I've, I've been that, that gal that's gone to the school board or talked to the principal or things like that. That's because I've seen something in the athletic realm it probably shouldn't be. And, and I think it's one of those avenues where people can, can take advantage of kids so easily. Um, and parents who don't know any better. That's another thing. The coaching is often the parents don't know better. Like, well, is that okay? Well, no, that's not okay. That's not how it should be done. That's not how we do this sport. So, so yeah. Yeah. I'm a advocate. Is that something that you feel like has always been a part of your personality? Or was there a time earlier in your life where you weren't quite as, you know, it wasn't quite as easy to advocate like that? It's probably always been a little part of my personality because I had two older brothers and I had to kind of fight for, you know, whatever, for my last cornflakes or left or whatever. Um, and then then that kind of branched off into me being this athlete. And and then when you're an athlete, you're always competitive. But even with my brothers, we were playing Scrabble. You know, we were fighting it out. Monopoly, we were still duking it out. So I was, <laughs> I've always been competitive. And then And then as I've gotten older and experienced things, it led to me becoming more of a protective of either my kids or someone else's kids or or women um, and such like that. Yeah. 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 Um, So what do you think when you think about your running career, what do you feel like has been a, a driving force of inspiration and or has that inspiration changed throughout the years? Yeah, I think for me, I've always been like a little science, a curious kind of person too. So for me, initially, it's always been, again, early on competition. Um, but now as I've gotten older um, and I've done things where my career has been so long, I've been curious about my own my own longevity. So then it leads me to that curious scientific part of like, well, wh- why is it that I'm able still to run this fast at this age where people were telling me I should put my shoes away back when I was 40? You know, why am I still able to do this? And what is it I've done that's made me still stay as healthy as I am? So I think running for me has kind of changed into now I'm becoming kind of a, I'm just curious to see how fast I can run when I'm 60 now. You see, so <laughs> this is what I can do now. And, and I, I also kind of keep a little log, a journal, as to maybe it's what I'm eating, what I haven't. I've no bad habits. I've never been a smoker. It's just, just I could never stand the smell of cigarette smoke. Even when I was a young kid, my father used to smoke cigarettes in the car. And I would roll down the window and just throw his cigarettes away and just do all kind of nonsense. But um, I never, <laughs> I never could stand cigarettes. I remember being in a flight and uh, coming back from Europe once where that was the, those were days where you could smoke on planes and the plane took off and I happened to be in like right ahead of cigarette of, of non-smoking. There's a smoking section, a non-smoking section. And when it, the plane took off, people in the non-smoking section, they couldn't get into the smoking section, started smoking. So I pushed the, the flight attendants and I complained, they're smoking, you know, like right around me. And they were so angry at me, but they had to put their cigarettes out. Like it made a difference because you're because you're right there in front of the other. But anyway, um, I never have been able to tolerate drinking. I have that same body that has heat illness must be really prone to dehydration. So alcohol is a no-no for me. Not even a casual, fun little glass of wine can't do it. Coffee. Um, I, I every now and then I try coffee. It keeps me up all night long and so I every maybe every three weeks I might have a little coffee but I can't tolerate coffee I try some teas that's better with tea so I've never been much on medicines drugs or any kind of recreationals and maybe that has something to do with why I can still push that heart rate higher at age um, at my age now at 56 um, and so it's just fun for me now like there's a turkey trot coming up in a few weeks 
And um, so I, I work at this running store. I'm a manager running store with a bunch of young guys in their 20s, in their early 20s. So they're all going to do it with me. You know, they're all going to do it. So we're going to see how fast um, Megan ran run with the old lady. You know, um, <laughs> last year I ran 1930 or something, 19, love 19s. So they're going to have the old lady chasing them down this time and see what they can do. So yeah. that's what kind of drives me now is to see. Like I told my recently, I want to grow old, you know, gracefully and just still be able to wear a pair of jeans and go up the stairs and not be out of breath and just be, see where it takes me. Yeah. Well, it kind of, as you're explaining that, it almost sounds to me like that's a really healthy way to look at your competition and yourself as a runner is almost like a little bit detaching yourself. Like, okay, this is an experiment that I'm doing, uh, with my running and, um, like to me, if, if I was thinking that way, it'd help with, um, then if things didn't go well one day, it wouldn't feel like, oh, that was about my worth as a person. It was like the experiment. Does, does that sound kind of like what's happening in your head? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have removed the young, I kind of win or I'm so down to now being, hey, still. And then I can always say, my gosh, look how well I'm doing at my age. I'm still healthy. I can still, you know, climb the flight of stairs. I can still lift the weight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so what, um, what do you feel like has been a source of inspiration in your motherhood of kind of, you know, what has, yeah, I think it's kind of this, there's this intangible of like, well, I love my kids and then try to think of, you know, how to put into words what, what is inspiring about children and being a mother for you? Hmm. Well, you want to make them proud of you, and you also want, um, oh gosh, well, you, it's, it's a fact of bringing someone in the world that's going to be, help out the world to be a better person themselves, you know, so, so with, like, with my son, he has um, a fabulous talent of drawing, he is just one, I don't know where it came from. Well, my mother was an artist too, so that's why that. My husband's mother was an artist, so he is a fantastic drawer. He can draw, sketch, paint, anything with no training. He just takes art classes or, or at school and does very, very well, um, and it's just amazing. And so that gives me pride to see him be able to present those to people, and people go wow, and 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 then he he feels good about himself. And he's giving back in a way to society by letting that, that beautiful artwork show. Then with my daughter, I'm just so pleased that she she was able to experience me through athletics. Because with her, it's like, oh, your mother is, oh, your mom's this. And um, when she was at Drake, I remember I went there to run an 800 Masters race where I set an American record in the, in the women's 45, I think, Masters record in 800 meters. And so she was in the stands and I'm running around Drake Stadium and then this. Yeah, so it's kind of fun to see mom out there in the track. At the same time, again, it's like there's my mother out there on the track. So, but to me, it was a good double push. She gets to experience, hey, that's your mother, and then it gives her inspiration to go on. And she's proud of me, and then I'm proud of her because she's there at Drake doing so well also. Because she was a 400 meter going to regional in several A's at Drake too. So she, so we get to see each other. I think with me, it's many different ways with motherhood. Um, I'm happy to have. Uh, produced and given to society these fabulous two people, my wife, my daughter, and my son, and that um, maybe that they're proud of good old mom, too. Yeah. <laughs> and then still thinking about motherhood, what, what do you feel like have been some of the greatest challenges for you in being a mother? Hmm. Well, the, the toughest one was the actual mother, uh, the pregnancy and childbirth. Um, I had a little tough one with my son, they had an epidural that went in too deeply, and um, apparently that causes paralysis. So I started to feel my legs not things, they are not feeling things as it kept moving up my body. And then I got to my my lungs, and I could kind of feel myself like, why am I why are my lungs kind of heavy? And I said that I think to one of the nurses or the the anesthesiologist, and then they ran out of the room and got the crash cart and um, pulled out the epidural. So, so that was a really scary moment because I almost lost mm-hmm. everything there in my life. Um, and then I had to have the whole patch because I got the nasty headache after that. So, right, yeah, sometimes that was 
the whole aspect of having child, going through childbirth can be uh, awakening and you may you appreciate life. So that was one thing about the hardest thing. Other than that, I think it's just the, I, I, it's the time that you don't have with yourself was what's hard, but again, it gets washed away because you enjoy that cute little face so much. And um, you don't worry about what time you don't have for yourself anymore because it's given to somebody else. So there really weren't many, many, looking back on it now, of course, maybe time has lessened the sting of the bad, of the hard memories, the hard days. But I think that's part of it too. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep having kids. I think people would. Yeah. <laughs> I really can't say it was all worth it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. the running and the any physical part or the mental part has just made me stronger and that's probably why i'm still out here um logging out the miles today because somehow because of motherhood being a stronger woman yeah absolutely um and we're going um going like kind of your expectations of motherhood beforehand have there been things that surprised you about motherhood, or did you maybe not really have much of an expectation? No, I think motherhood looked as hard as I thought it would be, or even early on. I used to babysit, so, um, <laughs> and you babysit a few uh, unruly kids, uh, then you know, and you can have a little insight as to what it might be like later on. So, no, I, I used to. Actually, I used to, um, for one year, I taught the two-year-old class in a, at a local daycare. Uh, I would be, I was a, one of the assistants. So, now I, I understood how hard motherhood is. And I think for me, again, it wasn't that bad, maybe because I was healthier from running. I think motherhood was easier for me because I was not only mentally more strong um, and advocated for myself, I was also physically stronger. And so I could baby here and a, and a bag of groceries here and like, let's go, you know, so that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that physical and mental strength is also connected. So yeah, that makes right, sense. Right. I remember years ago when I had my son, so he's 19. So like 18 years ago, I, he was maybe six months old and I went to do a, Five paper race in in Reston. I wanted to get out. I was ready to do something. So I put him in the baby jogger and he ran with me. And it was supposed to be an easy, nice get back into it 5K. So the gun went off and I was way in the back with some other guy that had a little baby in a baby jogger. Some young guy. Was it like a two-year-old in this stroller? But he's like tall and all muscly. So we, we started running and then I looked over and he's kind of with me. I went a little quicker, and before I knew it, we were kind of weaving around people, <laughs> and about like a mile and a half, I'm looking at like, I'm almost the lead woman, um, and then by mile two, I was the lead woman, and he was still right there with me, this blue baby, I had a red baby jogger, he had a blue one, and by the end of the race, we were on, and um, I was, I, I won the race, okay, I won the women's race with the baby jogger. <laughs> He was second behind me. He wasn't the second man, but he was behind me. But it was so funny because we had we were all like, but baby was fine. Baby was just fine. He was in the stroller. He was asleep the whole time, and I wanted it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I have a great picture of that. Now, I heard you talking on a podcast recently about um, you chasing down a 12-year-old girl. And I just loved that story and that, you know, you're able to tell the story, like, laughing about it, but then also, like, just being this, like, you know, this fierce competitor and, like, that kind of stuff isn't, doesn't matter. Of Like, who cares if she's 12? I want to beat her. That's <laughs> oh, horrible. Those are things that just make life fun. And you keep... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and let's see, then go, going back to some challenges, um, what, what do you feel like have been some of the, the hardest parts about being, being a runner and being a runner at such an elite level? Oh boy. It's just coming to the race with, um, being who you are with expectations. Oh, she's going to win this or she's supposed to win this. But hey, and having, you know, 
not always going to be on uh, to run that well. So that's probably the biggest challenge is being um, the expectations of being a lead runner. And then now as you get older, then you're not going to be as strong as you once were. But I think that's okay because people appreciate masters runners now. They understand that it's legit when you're at certain ages, you're running that well. Um, yeah, I think other things with me is just what – what challenges I've had throughout my career can end up with just my own life circumstances. Uh, divorce was quite challenging. Um, you know, the, the relationship attached to that divorce, that was a challenge. Um, and then having a struggle for a little bit during, after my first marriage, I had to go to some welfare, had to get, had to get social services assistance. Things hit real rock bottom because, again, as a, when you're a mother, I wasn't working. I was a full-time mother and runner, but I wasn't making an income. That was the that was my husband. But when things went sour in the relationship, then I part, we parted ways. And of course, as divorces happen, I didn't have any money. The money wasn't given here, so I had to go home. I still managed to keep my fitness enough to still train through that struggle. Um, that was probably the hardest part was when I had the baby, baby little baby Virginia, and still trying to make my own way with her. Um, finally went back to court and got the whole custody thing going. But between those times, I'm living off my mother and borrowing money and, and then social services. So that was probably the hardest part was the bad relationship and then what that what life faced or gave me there and my decisions to make either stay running or go with a job. I remember I actually – Stopped running for about two months and went and got a real job, you know, like my mother suggested. But I quickly found out that that was not going to work because I wasn't making enough money wearing my little pantyhose and skirts and being a little receptionist or whatever I was doing as I would make on a weekend running a couple road races and even, gosh, probably even coaching at that point. But I didn't coach. I still ran my races. And that was during the time when I would do – a, a road race on a Saturday and maybe on a Sunday and then go back to work on the, in the week. And I'd make, you know, 500 here and 400 there just in a road race. So I wasn't going to stop running, of course. Um, but then I moved into working at a, phys- a fitness center, which made more sense. So no more skirts and, and heels. Then I just wore my, my regular athletic wear. All the fitness instructor was perfect. I could train there and work and still compete travel on the weekends and run races and keep myself into elite fitness. So that's yeah. kind of the toughest challenge for me as a runner was trying to juggle survival, divorce, and all that, and running and training. And so it sounds like you continued to compete seriously during that time. Is that right? That is correct because I was in my mid my, – my, my, that was in the heyday of my career. That was my – it was 20, 30 – 31, 32, 33, 34 years of age. So I was in the heat of my elite career. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember competition or training feeling different during that time? Um, I was pretty darn strong during those days. I mean, literally, that was my, my – I could do some amazing things. And so as long as I kept my – Again, lifestyle was good as far as my diet and got enough sleep. Um, that was the biggest struggle was making sure I had enough sleep and rest because I was working eight, nine-hour shifts. I moved from the working at a fitness center to working at the running stores. That was so that was a little bit less active because when you're working at a fitness center, you're still kind of helping people with weights. You're walking around the facility and you're doing a lot more physical labor. When you're working at a running store, it's a little less physical. And that was a little easier, but I still was on my feet for eight nine hours a day that was a little extra but again I was always I've been fortunate to have a very strong body genetically thanks mom and dad and um and then good good ethic good health um, training regimen too on top of that so I stayed healthy-ish as I could without my sinuses and my allergies bothering me and I made sure I competed and that's what got me through mentally too because that running kept me mentally strong through the emotions of the divorce because um, the, the struggle was, was custody. Was I going to keep custody of my, my um, daughter at the time, my, my daughter? They, you know, so I, I, didn't, we didn't, I didn't lose custody of her and things were good. So, yeah, it was a str- struggle emotionally and physically. 
Yeah. And with when you say running, you feel like kept you mentally strong to that. Do you feel like it was the the consistency of continuing to have this thing that was such a part of who you are? Or what do you feel like specifically how the running helped you be mentally strong through that time? I think it was, yes, sure. The consistency of routine, of still being the runner that I was, and also the emotional positives of having good performances and getting that little boost. Hey, good job. You finished, you know, first, second. That gives you that ego boost to get you through those nasty hard times when you got to drive up to New York and go to a court case in the morning. So, yes, that that's a double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I wanted to go back to um... – Oh, what you had said about going into races with expectations and expectations were on you to perform really well. How did you help yourself kind of like take some of that pressure off? Click in the reality button. I go and do what I can do. Okay. I've always been strong with that. I, I know what the expectations might be, but I, Hey, I'm only one person and I've gone through this. So I have to be more logical. I wasn't as, um, you know, as emotional as I, as I got older, I got less emotional and more logical because you go through more experiences. So that as time went on, that was not much of a big of an issue anymore. It was okay to lose. You're going to lose some, Elisa. It's all right. It's not you. It's just that you lost today. You know, someone had a little bit more rest or a little bit more training or a little bit better, whatever routine. Um, and because I knew that I was at a, um, most often in my career, I was always at sometimes a, um, what's the word, a deficit. Either I had to work, whereas other athletes wouldn't have to work as much. Um, I had to, I didn't have a coach, whereas other athletes might have a coach. Yeah, I had some obstacle a lot of times, different parts of my career. So it was, I, I always knew that in the back of my mind, so I didn't think it was, you know, horrific. Or anything. It wasn't career ending. I wasn't going to stop it because of that. I knew I, I could do better. Maybe try next month. You know. Yeah, I like. I really like that. Uh, it's it's not you. It's just that you lost, and like it's not career ending. It's it's right. one of many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you? Um, did you ever struggle with as you continue to keep running in your career? comparing yourself to past times, uh, you know, past PRs and how did you overcome, uh, you know, looking back at, Oh, I used to run this time and now I run this time. Um, because yeah. How did you manage that? I didn't have that big of a problem with that only because I didn't really get slower <laughs> until I was in my forties. So at that point, <laughs> that was a good excuse. Um, I mean, literally, um, because so, cause for me, I remember back in 2008, Yes, I ran the Open U.S. Nationals at the age of 42, and I made it to the finals and ran 205 and 800, which was pretty darn fast and was an American record at the time. So, so I and I remember also um, a couple years earlier at George Mason, when I was coaching George Mason women's track. I remember my my athletes, um, my athletes were like having trouble figuring out how to run the 800 meters because I was you know, one of his coaches and he so so they I put them on the track and I, and I myself on the track and I showed them how to get it done you know how to run an 800 meters One second, hold on um so I wanted to show them how to run 800 so I, there's coach Harvey and I, I put all my girls on the inside infield we're on the indoor track at George Mason so I pull all my clothes off put my little spikes on Got my little running gear on. I said, told us the assistant that start the gun start, or start the watch. So I ran 800, show them how to run it. <laughs> and by myself, and I ran 207 on the indoor track by myself in front of some girls on some like, you know, Thursday afternoon at four. <laughs> and at that point, I was like 38 years old. Like, I'm pretty good. But now I look back like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, to run that fast on my own. So my fitness maintained really, I maintained really good fitness. I would compete with my ladies. When I was coaching them, I, I went down to tech once, like right after that, went, and I ran with one of my girls who was becoming an 800-meter runner as a 400-meter runner, and I was in the race with her. She's like, you got me, coach? I got you. So the gun goes off, and we're together. So I'm going to pace at her. But what happened was some other little girly, elbowed me at the start and so my runner was supposed to follow me and i was going to pace her but the girl elbowed me and took off 
So I took off after her. <laughs> like, what? You didn't. So I, I went a little too hard, and then my girl couldn't follow me. And, and I ended up, you know, passing the girl that elbowed me. But in the end, my girl did well, but she was upset with me because I left her. Because <laughs> I got upset by the girl who elbowed me. So anyway, my point was is that I didn't have the problem of getting upset that my times didn't go as well as before because they really stayed pretty well throughout my early career. I just ran out of time as far as um, I got older and it was like, yeah, you're done now, Lisa. So I could have probably, if you know, again life was different, had you know a different kind of career earlier in my 30s, or extended it to more of an elite level even in my 30s, but I just didn't have my my again my my, my lifestyle, my motherhood, my my jobs, and keeping things together maybe was in the more of a way at that point. But I was okay with that because that was the choice I made. So so that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, have said if I didn't have any kids, okay, maybe I could have gone off to a camp in Boulder, Colorado, or something, and tried to go for it again. But I had, um, I had my babies, and so I was good, and my family, and I was just enjoying coaching and doing what I wanted to do. So, so I didn't have that time where my time was until I got to my forties, and then then it did. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like yeah for you, it took your times didn't get slower for so long that. I guess by the time you did it, you, you had all the perspective you needed to be um, not bothered. And now you have these amazing, you know, master's records that you're always right. going after. That's right. And that, that was another cushion because I had the master's records. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, um, I've heard you talk about your Havana Pan Am games uh, where you won the 1500 and were second in the 800. And Maybe this has just been, um, you know, where I've read and, and heard you talk about it on podcasts, um, but I've, I've heard you talk, it seems like even more about the 800 races standing out more. Um, and I'm curious if it, does that race stand out to you more? Um, you know, you, you were second in there at race, but first in the 15, but it sounds like this 800 was this like kind of bonus surprise thing. Um, so I'm curious to hear if, you know, which race stands out to you more and why. I, I so the the natural way it goes in track and field is that you can put twelve to fifteen runners on a track and run a mile, but you can only put eight to nine runners on the on the lanes for eight hundred meters. So what happened was because I ran both, they I always got pushed to the mile because I could do both because they would get more runners that way. They can only have certain only have eight lanes. They give it to the top runners or maybe this one who can't do a fifteen. So they always say, well, put Lisa in the 15 because she can run the 15. So even overseas, I would get put into a lot of the, the mile races or 1,500-meter races and not the eight. But I think technically I was probably a better 800-meter runner. But because I ran so well at the NCAA level in the miles, they just figured I was an eight, you know, a mile runner. But, I I mean, I've had some really amazing – I remember I, the time I went from Los Angeles, I'd run some 800s throughout the year and over and overseas. And then the Grand Prix final was coming up in England at, uh, I think it was Crystal Palace. And so they contacted my coach, like, literally three days before the race, because I lived out in Los Angeles, or in California at the time. And he's like, Lisa, someone just got injured. They have a lane after, after the, the Grand Prix in, in, in England. You want to do it? You know, I'm like, what? Okay, yes. You know, and so, you know, so I had jet lag awaiting me and all that, I Think you're traveling because I get jet lag like nobody's business. But I got into LAX, got a flight all the way to England, landed one night sleep on that track. It was sleep. I don't even I got on the track and I finished last, but I still ran 201. So I ran like phenomenal. Okay, I still got in there and got a really good performance um, and got some some money. That's part of the Grand Prix. Got some a couple you know thousand dollars or whatever it was, and it was good. But I would have, but I've been able to do that in a mile. Heck no. Um, I was just a better 800 meter runner. I have natural speed. Um, again, good four speed, but no one ever needed me in a four because I was doing the mile and the eight, right? So um, I went to Tennessee where they had great sprinters. So um, my, my best 400 was 54 seconds in the in the 400 as an open standing start, you know, um, 400. So I had good speed in the four, but I always trained for the mile and I ran the eight. So I think the 800 was my better race. That's why, as I got older, as a master, it made it 
It's a no-brainer. That's why I've got the master's records in 800, because that truly is my event. That's, that's my theory, anyway, is that I've been better at the 800, because that was my always my event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do you know if, you know, because you've made the Olympic trials in both the 800 and the marathon, has anyone else done that? I'm still looking to see, and I, I don't believe so. I, maybe a man, maybe, but I, I'm still looking and trying to ask around. So far, I haven't found anyone, but that'd be a good question. Fine, I'd like to see if someone else has. I know a lot of the, like my contemporaries that were 800 meter runners, and I don't know they didn't. But maybe someone coming up, sure, will probably do that. But that's been a, it's a rare thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love normal. that. Fun fact. So I got a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, my friend said, "What are you doing, Elisa? Don't do a marathon. It's going to ruin you." And it didn't. It didn't. So, <laughs> what are you um, excited for in training for now? What kind of distances? So, let's say just did the Army Ten Miler. Um, so, I'm going to do or the virtual. I'm going to train for the um, indoor track season, and on the fifth of December. Well, so. First, the turkey trots, and that's going to be on Thanksgiving Day. But then um, two weeks later or so, or 10 days later, I'm going to Lynchburg, um, their indoor facility, and do a 400. I want to see how fast I can run a 400. <laughs> so I'll do that. Fun. And then I'll finish an indoor track season. I'll probably do something else, whatever's out there, depending on COVID. I'll do some more indoor track races and then finish off at the Masters Nationals in New York City, back at one of my favorite facilities, the, the armory and the, oh, the new balance. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I grew up, um, not too far away from the armory. So we ran there a ton. That is oh. an awesome track. Oh, really? Okay. I, I lived in Austin, New York for five years or so. Oh, awesome. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, li- I grew up in Westchester in Bronxville. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun oh. that the nationals will be at the armory. Uh-huh. No. So I can't wait. It's a great track. I can't wait to get back. I've been there in years. Yeah. So do you feel like there's um, anything else that you had been hoping to share that you didn't get to talk about or anything else you um, has come up in the conversation that we haven't gotten to yet that you'd want to bring up? Oh, let's see. I think we covered a lot of good topics. Um, I mean, you mentioned tips once before, too. Tips for women. That's right. Tips. For women in running and motherhood and all that. I would say my one tip is that, again, like I alluded to earlier, don't beat yourself up for not being that five-mile-a-day pregnant woman runner. I've seen it go good and bad, and I've seen people do that and not necessarily have it be a good thing that they've done all that running through pregnancy. they got these kind of pelvic issues and the whole uh, abdominal issues sometimes. I think it's probably much. I think it's much better to to go get that video maybe do an indoor little thing do it and pay attention to your heart rate <clears throat> and and just don't push yourself I, I hate to be like the old old gal but I think for me what I experience I experienced is that it was physically demanding for me just to be pregnant and it might have been that I <clears throat> excuse me I gained so much weight I gained 50 pounds of each of my pregnancy so that may have been part of it too I was carrying that extra weight and if you're a leaner pregnant woman then maybe it's okay be more active. Then I've seen, again, like I told you, that woman who was a still an elite runner as pregnant. She was running pregnant and, and very well. Um, so, yeah, um, that's one tip. Don't don't break your neck trying to be a superstar female um, pregnant woman runner. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Uh, another thing maybe for my African-American sisters that are out there trying to run that um, is I often go to races. I don't see enough black women runners. And it can come down to just the amount of time it takes to get yourself out the door. And um, as I'll say with my fellow sisters, my biggest obstacle has been my hair. And just, you know, because you, as a woman, you always want to look your best. But you're trying to, to get the baby fed and get over to the daycare. And you're trying to get yourself dressed to go to work. you you got to look okay, too. And you want to look right. So, Either I had to resort to a teeny little short afro or I did braids. And I have found that I didn't want to do the little afro because you still got to go and get it done every now and then. And you still cost some money. So for me, I've always braided my hair. You see here? 
And it's been for me, not just as I do it myself, my own little pastime. Plus, for me, I can stay cooler in the summertime and I can get up, get the kids ready, pull it back and go and still be feel good about myself and 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 then have the whole ease of showering and back out again to do something else. So that part of two, um, footwear, I say for women, make sure you get the right shoes. Women's feet go through a big stress by being, by running. And when pregnancies will cause your feet to change, unless you're lucky and they don't, but most women feet change during pregnancy. So get that shoe bigger. You think you might have a little arthritis or something like, here's so many 30 year olds coming and saying they have arthritis. You don't have arthritis, your shoe's too small. So get a bigger shoe <laughs> and stop, stop caring about how big the shoe is. And um, and then you know get fitted by someone who looks at your feet and, and sees how, how wide your foot is. There's a lot of people that have wide feet, especially women. I work in a running store, and I've worked in a running store for years now, last time, 10, 20 years now. Um, so get a wide if you need. Your foot's going to get wider. It's going to get longer. But get a good shoe and go with a good cushion. This whole idea of having these little lean shoes that you can, I don't know, feel too much cushioning or feel the ground, please. You want to protect your bones and joints. So get a sturdy, solid, cushiony, bulky if you want shoe. I get, I wear the bulkiest shoes out there. And I go down the street and hit the trails, come back up, and my joints and knees, um, ankles and Knock on wood, my back is great, and, and I'm 56, so I like cushioning in my shoes. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's about it. Thank you, Lisa. This has been really, really wonderful. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Kayla. It was fun. Thanks for listening to Mind Over Miles. You can learn more about my running and mindset coaching, the book, and everything else at mindovermilespod.com.